Hi, this is Suzanne Atkinson with Try to Listen, the podcast for curious triathletes. Each episode features an interview with an athlete, coach, or scientist whose passion lies in triathlon. It's my job to uncover their story. Hi there, it's Suzanne, and I want to thank you for joining me today on this podcast. Uh, This is another episode from The Lost Files. About five years ago, I was in Kona for the Ironman World Championships, and I had the opportunity to do about um, six interviews with various coaches and some triathletes who were competing. And um, if you've ever been there, you know that the atmosphere is just magical. Um, It's a really special place, and if you have not been there, um, I really encourage you to try and get there if you can. Um, It doesn't have to be during the Ironman World Championship. Uh, That week is definitely kind of crazy. It's much, uh, much more low-key and pleasant during the other times of the year. Um, But on that trip, I uh, returned back home to Pittsburgh afterwards um, and upgraded my iPad and I could not uh, for the life of me locate these interviews and uh, I was pretty devastated because I had I had the opportunity to interview Kirsten Sass and her father uh, Joe Friel, Carlin Pipes um, and um, it was not something that it was going to be easy to recreate uh, but uh, fast forward um, a couple of years and I discovered where in the ether these files were hiding and how to convert them into something that I could work with. So after some technical challenges were overcome, um, I've been slowly editing each of these um, previous six podcasts and releasing them as um, as part of my archive. Uh, but you're hearing these interviews for the very first time. Um, in this interview, I sat down with Carlin Pipes. She was teaching uh, some swim lessons in the endless pool that was right out on the main drag um, in front of the pier where the uh, Ironman begins. Um, if you don't know who Carlin Pipes is, she is um, she's in the Swimming Hall of Fame. She has over 200 master swimming records spanning four different age groups. Uh, and many of her records have stood for 20 years or longer. Um, our conversation was a really, really enjoyable. Uh, I really appreciated her, um, her insight into swimming, um, her ability to diagnose um, the flaws in someone's swim stroke, not based on uh, what she was seeing, but by what she knew was causing um, different, uh, different obvious things that, that other people might notice. Uh, for example, if um, someone notices that you have a scissor kick, Um, The problem is probably not the kick itself. The problem is probably somewhere else in your stroke that's causing an imbalance that requires you to do a scissor kick in order to maintain balance. Um, That's just one small example. Um, But here's the story is that I was uh, getting out of the water. I had gone for a swim that morning uh, on the the Ironman race course. Um, There's a a coffee boat that's docked a couple, maybe 100 yards offshore and people swim to the coffee boat you get your espresso the water's crystal clear it's it's just really fun um so i had come back from that little swim in the morning and stopped briefly to observe the coaching that was going on in an endless pool and i was really really impressed with the coach Uh, i didn't realize at the time who it was i was just listening to some of her commentary um and i repositioned myself and i realized that it was Carlin. Um, I got really excited and I wanted to get in that endless pool to get a, uh, a little 15 minute lesson from her. Um, the lessons were free and so 
got my swimsuit back on, waited my turn, and I hopped in the pool, and um, it was a wonderful experience. Um, after my little uh, swim lesson, I asked her if she would let me interview her for a podcast, and she was happy to do so, and we had just an absolutely wonderful conversation. Listening to this podcast or the interview with her now five years later, getting it ready for you guys, um, it's a timeless interview. Uh, it was really fun. I still really appreciate her thoroughness and her ability to look at the swimmer as a whole and not just as a, as a swim stroke. Um, she, she generally cares about people enjoying the swim. Um, she's non-judgmental about, uh, about your stroke. Um, and she just wants people to enjoy swimming and, and get better. Um, so anyway, it was a wonderful conversation back then. I remember that day very well. And it was wonderful listening to the podcast again this evening as I edited it. And I reached out to Carlin herself and let her know that I had um, resurrected this conversation. And she remembered the day as well. And she says that she is still pretty certain that she agrees with everything she said back, uh, back on that day five years ago. So without further ado, I welcome you to join us on our conversation in Kona. Hi there, this is Suzanne Atkinson, and I'm sitting here next to Carlin Pipes at Kona. Um, and you know, we're sitting probably 20 yards from the pier where the uh, Ironman World Championship is going to take place in just three days. Um, and I swam there this morning. It was, it was nice, and it was uh, kind of magical. You know, all of these triathletes who are getting the, uh, getting the jitters out, doing their last long swim. There's a coffee bar out there. It's really a beautiful place, crystal clear water. However, I think the best part of my day um, didn't happen while I was swimming in the pier. It happened across the street in an endless pool. Um, so I ran into Carlin, and um, she was giving many lessons on technique. And um, I, I'm, I'm always interested in improving my technique and finding out what things that, uh, that I have in common with other coaches and what I can learn from them. And she graciously agreed to uh, look at my stroke and then sit down and talk with me about, uh, about swimming and everything else. So Carlin, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, and aloha. It's a, <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Now, you live here, right? I live here in Kona, and I've been here for 10 years, mm -hmm. and I moved here from frigid, cold San Diego. <laughs> now, I'm well, from Pittsburgh. San Diego seems pretty warm to me. Yeah, but have you been to San Diego in the summertime and swam in the ocean? It's um, it's, yeah, that ocean water is cold. I agree yeah. with that. So the beautiful thing about Kona is the water is um, gorgeous year-round, mm -hmm. and if you're a swimmer, it is actually pure heaven. You know? <laughs> um, we have a beautiful accessible, clean, fun water venue right here at the pier, the yeah. Kailua Pier, and we swim with dolphins and manta rays and of course all your favorite friends. <laughs> now what brought you here in the first place? Uh, kind of a long story, but um, when I was married we moved here as kind of like a, a, a change of life. Mm -hmm. And um, But really if you were to ask the, that question, the answer is I moved here for the water. Yeah. Um, there's just something special about this place, and um, there's an energy here in Kona that I think a lot of the athletes will feel here, mm -hmm. but it's so much to do with the water. Um, 
you get in there and you just can't help but he, be happy. Yeah. Uh, and I think our water is happy too. <laughs> and I've swum in a lot of places and the water's not nearly as happy or as clear yeah. uh, or energizing. And so there's a special, it's, um, it's a special Something thing. about it. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the swim I did this morning, the water seems much warmer right now than other times I've been here. I don't, yeah. We were commenting on that too. Because I typically, when I'm doing um, race tune-ups with uh, clients right before the race, mm-hmm. I'm wearing a wetsuit because I get cold and I haven't worn my wetsuit. And it, it, it's amazing. It also seems saltier, too. Interesting. Maybe yeah. there's a change in currents or something. Global well, warming. <laughs> you know, I think that there there are fresh water springs right yep. out here. And so that fresh water may be washing out some of the saltiness yeah. saltiness right here in the, in the bay. Well, the fr- actually, when the fresh water, that's when you run into those cold pockets. Yeah. And the, the fresh water is coming from the rain that's uh, up on the Malka, the mountains. Mm-hmm. And uh, typically when it's low tide, the springs run a little bit harder. And so we have, it's colder when it's low tide. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right now, I only felt one little tiny pocket of cold. So yeah. maybe it's just not raining as much. Yeah. I've been told that it takes 30 years for a drop of rain to make its way all the way down to the water from really? here, but I'm not sure where I read that. <laughs> that's 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 really special. I mean, the island is really a magical place, and it's one of the reasons that I love coming back here. I think this is my seventh trip to wow. Kona. Now, yeah. now, here's something. Did you know what Kailua means? Um, I, it doesn't mean cold springs. Two waters. Two waters. Okay. So it is. So it's the cold springs. And, uh-huh. you know, the ancient people had to have fresh water here. Of course. So it's a very dry, arid land, actually. But here, um, in this area in particular, there's a lot of springs. And, of course, they named those the Queen's Bath and the King's Bath and things like that. They, they would take ownership of them. Oh. Um, but uh, any place there was fresh water, the royalty yeah, of the, the islands would claim it. Now, this this area right behind the, um, the King Cam Marriott, there, there's a hut there. Uh-huh. What's the story behind that hut uh, and why is that special? It's a shrine, a Heiau, uh, reportedly King Kamehameha mm-hmm. uh, died there. But um, as you notice that there's a lot of statues because prior to the missionaries come in, coming into um, to the islands, uh, the uh, Hawaiians had a deity type of a god system. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lono was the god of this and the fish and the harvest and all that kind of stuff. Well, they threw that system out um, and, uh, and then went to kind of nothing. And then when the missionaries came in, they they actually came into a, a, a spiritual void. Interesting. And then they and then it was kind of Christianity. Okay, but um, this this sort of that, thing has persisted in several yeah. other shrines. Well, yeah, they what they do is and, and there are some all over the place. You can usually see the um, uh, the rock formations that have built up and that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, in every older. Uh, culture, you will see this kind of platform. You see it in Mexico and stuff like that. Uh, shrines of temples, yeah. and where they would practice some sacrifice. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you know, no. they say animals, but well, you don't know. But um, yeah. So the I think that the energy of the ancient people is still very prevalent here. Yeah. And one of the things that I know for sure is that the people that do the best at this race mm-hmm. are not necessarily the fittest or the fastest. Yeah. They're the ones that connect with the Aina, the land, and the energy of this island, which happens to be all female. Oh, Madam Pele is giving birth. Wow. Our island is actually gaining land mass, right where now. everywhere else in the world is losing it. Yeah, that's so, fascinating. So you connect with the energy of Pele, don't piss her off, act grateful, <laughs> and you'll have a pretty good day. And uh-huh. if you don't, she'll squash you like a bug. <laughs> Can't argue with that. Uh, that's a, such a really common theme that I've been uh, seeing is this sort of spiritual side of racing. And spiritual doesn't have to mean, you know, religious or uh, or what church you go to. I think it has to do with finding something within you that's meaningful and being open to receiving the sorts of things you mentioned, energy from the from the land and the nature and just the beauty of the place that we're and in. And the water. 
and the water. Yeah. And since our bodies are, what, 70% water? Mm -hmm. If you don't have a good relationship with an ocean or a pool, you hate the water, <laughs> I hate swimming, yep. you're basically telling yourself you don't like parts of you, too. Interesting. So I actually tell people to go out and say, I love you, water, make me strong. Mm -hmm. um, and see the fishies, that promotes good body position. Uh -huh. And talk to the fishies promotes... Um, letting their air out and not holding their breath. Interesting. So see the fishies, talk to the fishies, and I love you, water. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, so this is um, it's essential swimming advice that's mm -hmm. coming from someone who holds uh, or has broken over 200 master's records mm -hmm. in age groups from what to what? Um, master's world records, uh, 30 to 34, all the way to 50. I'm now 52, so 50 to 54. Uh-huh. I don't have any more records in the 30 to 34, but I still so I still have them from 35 on. Mm -hmm. So they span four age groups. Uh -huh. So they're lasting about 20 years, and typically um, some no-name swimmers will come along and break them occasionally. A couple years ago, that was Janet Evans. <laughs> uh, I was quite disappointed when she broke my 400 oh. free world record, yeah. but then I realized I would have been at her hip when I finished. So pretty I can, close. Pretty close. That's I love comparisons like that. Yeah. Where would the swimmer have been in the pool? when the other person touched exactly. the wall. Exactly. So, and considering I'm not an Olympian or a fat previous Olympian, uh -huh. I think it's pretty okay. Yeah. yeah. Good. Well, congratulations. Thank you. And um, so here's the magical thing that happened in the pool. Um, you know, I walked over to the endless pool to talk to the, uh, the people who were working there. And, uh, and Carlin was there um, working on swimmer strokes. You know, people were getting in the pool. And she's been doing this sort of off and on for the last day or two. And... Um, I asked her if she'd be willing to look at my stroke, and I hopped in. I personally wanted to be open-minded. I wanted to be open to receiving any sort of advice and not uh, cloud your judgment and not put a, a preconceived thought in my head that I need to sort of stick with what I'm doing. Um, so I got in the pool, and um, she I, I got the sense that she spent a little bit more time filming my stroke than some of the people that came immediately prior to me, and I didn't know if that was because I was beautiful to watch or because it was really hideously ugly. <laughs> But I kept swimming until they turned the current off, and I was pretty tired by then. Um, what kinds of things um, do you look for when you get someone in the pool like that? Okay. Well, let's first preface it. Um, when it comes to swimming technique, do you know what the definition of a successful swimmer is? Someone that has fun. That would actually, that's actually really good. Okay. I, that's probably he's the best one. Um, actually, somebody that hasn't drowned. Okay. All right. Now, from there, there is a lot of variation between somebody that hasn't drowned and uh, and uh, somebody going to the Olympics. Mm -hmm. um, there is no right or wrong way to swim. There is faster and slower, more efficient and less efficient. So when you're you're looking at somebody that is um, swimming, the things that I'm most often looking for are where is the stroke breaking down and where is the stroke sticking. Mm -hmm. um, a really good analogy that would be on, on land is, um, well, many swimmers are, have been taught to finish their stroke all the way to the end, really push hard. Mm -hmm. And that used to work with an S-pole because in an S-pole, your hand slid out and then slid in, and the only time that your hand would go in a straight line is in the back. Well, still coaches still teach that, but they don't really know why or where it comes from. But pushing all the way to the back part of your stroke, and now many of you that are listening right now are saying, oh, my coach says to me I need to do that all the time. Work on your finish. Work on, finish Push out the, the back. And, or flick the water even over your backside. Mm -hmm. Well, now just imagine you're riding your bike, and you've decided that you're going to go into your biggest gear all day long. doesn't matter if you're going up a hill, down a hill, with wind, with a tailwind, whatever. Well, what happens is that when you start to get to the challenging parts, um, your stroke you know, your pedal stroke bogs down, your cadence drops, and you get really tired, and your technique becomes less effective because you're working too hard. 
Well, that's what the back of the stroke is. Mm -hmm. In swimming, we'd be more effective if we just stay with a pull and avoid any kind of a push. Mm -hmm. Now, you can get a lot of power from a push, but there are some situations that occur after the push that causes you to slow down. Uh, one would be, oh, and then canoe paddling is another good example. So if you were, unless you were trying to splash somebody behind you, most of the time you're just going to set that paddle, keep it flat, grab the water, and get out before you get stuck. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much what swimming is. Um, however, when you end up pushing too far in the back, your hand gets stuck, the paddle gets stuck. You lose momentum. Mm -hmm. It starts dragging. Now you have to lift it up with a lot of shoulder movement. And then what's the other arm doing? Well, the one that's out in front either falls down or it drifts to center to counterbalance. Mm -hmm. Now, if you add a breath on top of that, <laughs> you're really rolling from your side and you're splitting your feet and that's causing you to scissor out. Yeah. So, so one, one thing can cause a whole domino effect of a lot of other things that decelerate you, make you go slower and take up a lot of energy. And mm -hmm. that's the big thing. So you're going slow and you're working hard to do it. Harlan, what are some of the other things that you observe that um, make successful swimmers, so someone who's not drowning, <laughs> that prevents them from getting uh, faster. So what are some of the things you see that slow people down? Oh, you know, actually, this is a, an overall one, and it, it runs through every sport. Tension. Mm -hmm. um, if somebody's holding their breath, when they, with the, put their face in the water, they tighten up their body. Yep. And so one of the first things I do is I look at people and how they're breathing. And ideally you wanna let some air out of the, right away. Um, hum your air out. I actually swim with my mouth open. Mm -hmm. And then um, never try and dump the whole amount of air out because that will put you in a dangerous position if you have no air in when you turn to get your breath and there's water. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one area where tension happens. The other one is in the hands and the shoulders. Okay. Uh, and if you're a tight runner, a tight cyclist, you're always focusing on dropping those shoulders, relaxing the shoulders, get yeah. on your arrow bars. It's the same thing in swimming, but with even more um, detrimental effects. For instance, uh, with a tight hand, uh, you can get cramps. Yep. Um, but also, too, think about if your hand is tight and you go into put your hand in to get your pull, if it's rigid, it slices right through. Mm -hmm. So picture a hot knife going through butter, just swoop, right through. Yeah. So good swimmers look relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other big thing, so relaxation, relaxed swimmer, relaxed athlete. Mm -hmm. The next thing is balance. Swimming and just, is balance. Yeah, so describe balance in terms of a swimmer because it's a completely different medium. When when you when we're walking, oh, yeah. right, we learn balance from from the time we're infants and our brain grows to be able to have us balance on land. But water's totally different. So when you use the word balance, describe what you what's a balanced swimmer, what's an unbalanced swimmer. Well, first you start relaxed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but and so you're trying to balance on water, and water is constantly moving. Mm -hmm. um, if you are tight and tense you are going to sink because your tension will actually cause you to move into the water and, and drop down. Um, when you're relaxed, you're more likely to let the water support you. Mm -hmm. So it goes back to that kind of relationship with the water. I trust the water to float me and I don't have to do anything for it. So we give that job to the water. The other part is the widest part of your body is your shoulders. Mm -hmm. You wanna balance on that widest part. Mm -hmm. Hence, if somebody is given a suggestion to roll from side to side, you're actually just telling them to lose their balance mm -hmm. and then regain it and repeat that on every stroke. Yeah. And then what happens is, is then they lose their balance and then either they send out a counterbalance. And where would that counterbalance come from? Uh, I think usually, um, frequently, it's the hand pushing down in front. Mm -hmm. Now, now think about it. What if the hand is not doing that? What are the, and the shoulders are rolling all over the place. 
scissors kick. Bingo! <laughs> so when you take a look at somebody's feet and mm -hmm. you see a scissor kick, you're looking at a symptom. Mm -hmm. Where's the disease? It's up in the front. Bingo! So that's exactly it. So your front end alignment is wonky. You're yeah. rolling too much, <laughs> and your feet are back there going, whoa, I got a big job, your mm -hmm. hips too, and they end up swishing and counterbalancing for you, yeah. which A, takes a lot of effort, yeah. and B, actually creates way more drag. Uh -huh. So once again, we're back to the, you're really working hard to go really slow. Mm -hmm. So actually, when people get in my analyst pool at my house where I teach, and they tell me they're, they're a horrible swimmer, I say, great, because I'm going to get to make the most change with you, yeah. and you get to improve the most. Yeah. So if we can get those feet to stop scissoring out, you fix the front, the People back comes quick, in line. Quick improvements with that. Yeah. The other part of balance is the lead arm. So the catch-up stroke uh, with a, a not a quick or a long pull or glide out in the front is another balancing point. Mm -hmm. uh, think about an outrigger canoe. You've got a very long, skinny boat. You have six to eight people in that boat. That outrigger is helping them stay balanced. Mm -hmm. So your arm that's extended taking a glide is another balance point. Mm -hmm. So imagine that you're going to draw an L. So your lead arm is one balance point and your chest is the other. Okay. And then you swap it out. Okay. And you swap it out. And when you're doing that, think also to a skating. A, an ice skater, you're rolling out to the side, power glide, power glide, power glide. It's mm -hmm. not power power, it's power <laughs> glide. Yeah. Uh, so those are the big balance points. Your arm, your chest, and then your feet won't be so mm -hmm. wonky. <laughs> That's a great description of it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, one of the things that I was uh, really impressed with when we were chatting before we started the podcast is that you actually went back and completely reconfigured your stroke. Yes. T tell me about that. Um, it was uh, it was pretty cool because you, you you would think it's if it's working why you know why change why it? change it Yeah. Um, I had just gone finished going back to school on a full swimming scholarship at the age of 35 um, to a Division II school called Cal State Bakersfield. Uh -huh. um, and I had went gone to the NC2A's Division II championships and won three events, had set numerous world records up to that point in time. And I read an article by the late Ron Johnson called The New Australian Crawl. Mm -hmm. And in, this is in 2000. So at that point in time, Phelps was undeveloped, he was still there, mm -hmm. but there was Grant Hackett and Ian Thorpe, and these guys are Australian watermen, mm -hmm. and they were swimming with a wider entry stroke, a little bit of a glide, an early high elbow catch, and a quick release pull. Mm -hmm. And I looked at the pictures of the American swimmers that they were using as a demonstrating, and then the Australians, and how we were getting our butt handed to us, and I went to the pool that day, and I changed my stroke. Wow. And so, consequently, so that was in 2000. Um, my world records in 40 to 44 are faster than my 35 to 39. Wow. And I carried impressive. that speed into my 40, late 40s. Uh-huh. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it was fun. It was, <laughs> hey, you know, the cool thing about uh, making change, so I work with a lot of athletes during Ironman week, and they, a lot of people would think that that would be crazy. Well, here's the thing. If you work with me and we figure out something that can make you go faster, and it's clearly identified in the endless pool like you saw, mm -hmm. so when we made a change to your stroke, uh, you either got faster or slower and you felt it. Mm -hmm. You also felt it got harder or easier. Right. Um, but with an athlete here, uh, if I can figure out, and I do, um, something that will make them go faster, if they can remember that during the race, they're mm -hmm. going to get faster. Mm -hmm. If they forget everything, <laughs> they're going to go back to the stroke they came with. And the, nothing's lost. Nothing's lost. Right. So, and if they can remember it later on, mm -hmm. swimming's a lifetime sport. It's not just this one race or this one season or this one year. It's my mom's 80. She's um, she swam the 1500 at a um, 
race this week today in, in Utah. Probably faster than me. She's, <laughs> she was probably 32 minutes. Uh-huh. Yeah, great. For Good for her. Good for her. Um, yes, one of the fun things about the endless pool is that um, you, and you did this with every swimmer that I watch, including me, is that you set the current after you've worked the, with someone for five or ten minutes, and I'm sure in private lessons you know a lot more about the swimmer. But the current stays no, the I same. No, I know nothing. And I try okay. not to know. Yeah. Okay. Because I actually like to take the athlete that I see right here. Yeah. And um, your stroke will tell me all the symptoms that I need. Yeah. To, and then I just have to figure out what the disease is. Okay. <laughs> like a doctor. Just like a doctor. I listen to what you're saying, where your aches and pains are, yeah. what you feel like you're not getting, and then I can work so, with that. That's yeah. great. Um, so the speed of the endless pool stays the same. And then you have people do contrast, you know, try the new way, try the old way, try the new way or over exaggerate. Mm -hmm. And there's an, an immediate difference. You know, right. the swimmer can feel, you know, when I was in there, I tried a, a variety of different things with the amount of rotation and the width of my arms. And there was a very distinct difference in feel that was l literally like shifting gears on a bicycle. Oh, very nice. Yeah. So if I was on a bicycle, I'd want to be able to choose what gear I'm in. Right. You know, there were times when maybe the... Uh, the old stroke that I was using, I might feel more comfortable for certain time periods, and the the change that you made is something that I would want to work on the fitness to be able to sustain that for mm. a full race. Mm. Uh, typically, when you're making a change, there's a lot more mental activity involved. You have to think. Yeah. So when I hand somebody a swimming cap, I tell them it's not a swimming cap; it's a thinking cap. Interesting. When you put that on, <laughs> I want you to think about your what you're doing. Uh, people ask me often, Carlin, how often do you think about your technique? all the time yeah I you know there might be some times when I'm going really fast and I'm not really thinking about it but I did that practice swim last week mm -hmm. and in the middle of it I realized I was spinning out I wasn't taking that glide in the front mm -hmm. my arms were getting kind of tired mm -hmm. and I realized why am I taking so many strokes yeah and I took a little bit longer glide in the front it still kept it shorter in the back and uh -huh. I stayed the same speed how do I know? Because I was in a big pack of people. And, and you stayed yeah, with them. Exactly. That's great. So you talk about uh, a little bit longer glide in the front and a shorter stroke in the back. It sounds to me, this is my interpretation, that you're, you're changing the timing of the stroke. Very good. Yes. Most people swim in a mono speed. Yep. They, they put their hand in, they pull with the same speed, they recover with the same speed. And I actually like to think um, there's, there's a tempo change in the stroke. If you want to think of the power, um, think about somebody having a golf swing. You take the golf swing and it comes up and over the top and it stops. Mm -hmm. Well, in swimming, that would be your glide. Mm -hmm. That is that off before the on. Mm -hmm. In all power sports, there's an off before you're on, a, a stop before you go. So you take that glide and then you get ready for the catch by swimming over a coral reef. So mm -hmm. you float the elbow up, you engage a brief pulse of power, and then let it go. Mm -hmm. So it's quick in the back, long in the front. Uh -huh. Quick in the back, long in the front. But you still want to make sure you're not dropping the elbow and the water's just sliding by your hand. Yeah. You want to make sure you have that elbow in that right position. Yeah. So it is. It's like a speed up, slow down. Speed up, slow down. Uh -huh. And by the way, the one place you don't want to slow down is in the back. Mm -hmm. So there is no back. There's just a halfway point because uh -huh. the stroke starts and finishes in front of your head. I love that. It's, yeah. That, it's, it's very congruent with... Um, with the things that I've been practicing and a lot of the things that I try to teach, and certainly your um, your experience as a highly successful swimmer, um, and and also your experience as a coach. I mean, I didn't know anything about your coaching really prior to mm -hmm. working with you just an hour ago, um, and I'm very impressed with um, you. Seem open-minded. You seem non-judgmental, um, and. Uh, 
I imagine you're an extremely Thank successful you. coach as Thank well you. as a swimmer. <laughs> well, it, you know, the bottom line is I want to help as many people as possible, and so do you. Mm-hmm. We want people swimming for a long time. We want them swimming injury-free, and we want them to feel successful. Yeah. And that doesn't come from us telling people how smart we are or how much we know <laughs> it's actually getting people to make a change yeah and we need to do that in simple easy to understand language yep and the the one thing that i impart to people is this educational piece mm-hmm. i don't teach swimming i teach self-awareness yep now you didn't really know before that that pole might have been too long now you have a point of reference mm-hmm. um and you'll play with that mm-hmm. um you'll pl- you'll go back to the pool and you'll play with the width of your hands mm-hmm. you'll roll more and you'll roll less and you're going to feel the differences the one thing that i want to say is that if i was to impart one piece of information to people is that the better you get at swimming because of the water element you're submerged you're in this dense you know water um we tend to want to feel more. And the way that swimming is, is that we get our mind wrapped around, the harder we go, the faster we go, the more we're working, the better we are. And that's actually a fallacy. Think about when you ride a bike with a tailwind. It feels so light and easy and you're, wee, this feels so good. That's what good swimming technique feels like. Like you're hardly doing anything at all because you really are. You're just catching the water. You're getting out before you get stuck. You're not losing your balance. And you're doing just kind of working with the water to kind of skim across it, you know, Mm -hmm. just like you'd see somebody on a placid lake and glinting sun and somebody comes by on some kind of a boat and is paddling and they just sleekly move past. (laughs) It's easy and it's effortless. Yeah. And it can be that good feeling but most people want to feel like they're working yeah and what happens is when your intensity level goes up you tend to actually be causing more drag Mm -hmm. and working harder and swimming slower so trust the less is more Mm -hmm. um less shoulder roll less stroke at the back less tension less is more in swimming whether it's feedback or feel that's the idea that you're going for Mm -hmm. and and it and it can be attainable and and just keep remembering if um if the stroke starts feeling like it's going back to more, typically you've just added one of those three things. Your hand's coming into center, you're pushing too far back, and you're probably rolling too much, losing your balance, mm-hmm. and then you start feeling the water. Mm-hmm. So the better you get, the less you feel the water, and the less you feel, and the worse you get, the more you feel. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird, but it works. Yeah, I like that. I really like the, um, the self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the, the Everless sensation mm-hmm. and um you know you and i are uh the listeners can't see us but um i'm five foot two and three quarters and proud of every quarter inch <laughs> i can get and how tall are you five eight okay yeah so you're not a whole lot taller you look like your arms may be longer than mine <laughs> but um you know so we're two different people two two different swimmers and there's a lot of commonalities and um i think that every swim coach that's out there has a passion to to help everyone get better and i really right. like your your the way that you encompass, you know, the whole swimmer approach. Thank it's sort, you. sort of like a, a family practitioner. Yes. You know, looking at the whole well, person. When the person leaves your water, you know, and goes on, I might not ever see that person again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm hoping that they carry a little piece of me 
Yep. And actually, I do. I run into people, athletes that I've worked here at Ironman over the years. And this really hot guy comes up to me. He's from <laughs> Ireland. And he goes, Carlin, I think of you every day. <laughs> and because when he goes to the pool, he's got all these little Carlinisms, you know. Yeah. So I'm the little Jiminy Cricket yeah. on your shoulder that reminds you, okay, talk to the fishies, see the fishies. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, there's one last thing I do want to say. One piece of advice that people are often given is to push their head down to get their hips up. Mm-hmm. And guys, this is, is a big one for you because you might ride lower in the water. Women tend to ride higher. If you push something down, something does pop up, but that one happens is you've created a lot of tension yep. in your neck and shoulders. Mm-hmm. You've also pushed your head below the surface of the water, making it harder to get a breath, further to go to get a breath. Yep. You're gonna have to do more. And then the last thing is is that um, what, what's, what's happened there is you've your head's down, your butt's up, but now your legs are sinking. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So just try and keep a neutral, relaxed frame. Think about laying on a surfboard, and when you're paddling that surfboard, you are delivering in a very expensive drink across the pool, and you can't spill it. (laughs) And if you spill it, so it's a gentle rocking, not a rolling, Mm -hmm. and uh, just keep the head neutral, look at the fishies. Super. Yeah. Um, so are you, are you swimming competitively anymore? Yes, I actually have a meet in Sarasota in a a couple weeks. And what, what, um... Uh, races have you entered? <laughs> what well, events are you doing? I, I have most of my world records in freestyle backstroke, and I am, and I'm swimming breaststroke. Oh, good for you. Yeah, because because I've actually transitioned over into doing more triathlon and more running and cycling. Uh-huh. And so what I found is for recovery from the running and cycling is that breaststroke is a great recovery tool mm-hmm. and um, strengthener for your hips, abductors, IT bands, uh, psoas. Uh, so running and cycling is on the Sagittarial plane yep. and breaststroke is completely off that. Yeah. So if you are working on helping your you know, body recover from their other disciplines. Mm-hmm. Breaststroke is a great way to do that. So I figured I'd try my hand at racing those. Super. Yeah. How, how do you think you'll do? Well, I'm going to try and break some national records. Super. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to yeah. put it out there and just go yeah. have some fun. And, and also, too, it's it's a fair amount of power, too. So you need to keep the strength up in the weight yeah. room. Yeah. Uh, a catch and a pull, a high elbow catch does, needs some power. Yeah. Um, tell us about your triathlon um, oh. <laughs> experiences. Your... <laughs> well, it's funny. I grew up in San Diego and avoided triathlon all those years. <laughs> Moved to Kona, uh-huh. avoided triathlon for wow, eight years you're here. Not, you're not picking the right hot spots. You're picking an anti I know. stance for the but, hot spots that, you, that you've lived in. Yeah, <laughs> well, I came to triathlon at the right time, which was my time. And um, I am not interested in being the best. I'm interested in getting better. Yeah. So, but that said, I've, haven't, I've won my age group at every race I've done, <laughs> and usually in the top three or five, something uh-huh. like that. So, but I'm having fun and enjoying it, and, and I do not really ever aspire to doing an Ironman. Yeah. 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 More power to all the people that do it. Sure. But I, I actually just aspire to help more people mm-hmm. uh, get comfortable in the water and have great swims on their and, and help them on their journey. Great. Yeah. So like you do too. Yep, thank you. Yeah. Uh, if the if someone wanted to come and get some coaching from you one on one or in a group set, setting, how would they go about doing oh, that? Oh, um, my um, business name is Aquatic Edge, mm-hmm. and my website's AquaticEdge.org, or you can always just Google Carlin Pipes, uh-huh. and I think something like sixty thousand pages come up, and uh, and there's a lot of records involved in there, um, and I'm really thankful that not a single one of those is a police record. <laughs> <laughs> so, Me too. But but uh, <laughs> I do some clinics worldwide. 
And when I'm in Kona, I do a one-on-one um, -on -one, uh, private lessons in my endless pool mm -hmm. with multiple videotaping. But I travel all over and uh, can come do clinics anywhere. Super. Yeah. Great. Well, so. thank you very much for thank you, taking Susan. This was really this was really fun, and I'm excited that this information sharing session that we've had is going to help your people. Yeah. Because if we have that ripple effect where we um, allow people to feel differences and understand that there's not right and wrong, mm -hmm. there's just better and worse and less, you know, faster and slower, mm -hmm. that people are going to experiment yeah. with what they do. Yeah. And then that's a greater self-awareness, and then they can uh, that can help them to improve. Yeah. And um, that's what it's really all about, is we just want to get a little bit better. We don't need to be the best, but we just want to get a little better. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. You're it's welcome. A pleasure. And aloha and mahalo. Uh, uh, aloha <laughs> and mahalo. Mahalo. That's thank you. Got it. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> <Yay. laughs> Well, that was a really fun conversation, and uh, I'm so glad that I found these audio files because I think that that interview that I did with Carlin is just timeless. Um, I hope that some of the things that we talked about are helpful for you, maybe giving you some new insights into some things to try with swimming. Uh, maybe it confirmed what you're already doing with your swimming. Um, and I love her attitude about being uh, non-judgmental, wanting everyone to learn and trying to help as many people as we can. And that's what I hope that this podcast is doing for you. Um, if you've enjoyed the podcast, I would really, really appreciate it if you could leave me a review on iTunes. Um, that helps a lot. It helps other people um, find the podcast and helps it rank a little bit higher. Um, if you're interested in supporting me, I have a Patreon page. Uh, the link for the Patreon page is on our website, or you could just go to Patreon slash try the number two listen um, I have show notes on my website try to listen.com that's tri the number two listen.com um, and feel free to contact me anytime I am interested in uh, what you think about the show I'm interested in any suggestions uh, I'm interested in anyone that you think might be a good guest or if you'd like to be a guest please let me know upcoming interviews include Joe Friel I did a follow-up interview with him from the one that we did back in 2014. I will be re-releasing interviews with Kirsten Sass and her father, Volker Winkler. That was also done in Kona, part of my Lost in the Archives files. Other upcoming guests include Sue Reynolds. Sue has just released a book called The Athlete Inside. Sue's a very inspiring woman, and I hope you can tune into that one as well and pick up a copy of her book. I'll be releasing an interview with a, a gentleman named Mark Usher. Mark is a heart patient. Mark had open heart surgery at about the age of 50 or 51, I believe. He had a valve replacement and had to be on a blood thinning medicine. So you'll hear how Mark dealt with these issues um, and complications of his surgery and what that's led him to doing now, which includes meeting and officiating for um, future Olympians. Uh, it was a really interesting interview. Other upcoming guests include Pete Jacobs, Ironman winner for the 2012 World Champion, and Steven Seiler. Steven is the idea man behind polarized training, the idea of doing 20% of your training at a higher intensity and the other remaining 80% at a much lower intensity. Uh, Steven and I are going to talk about the details of this and some nuances and ways that you can get it right. So once again, thanks for joining me. See you next time.